uh, where Amy is. Be praying for her. She's, she's, uh, uh, we'll probably have to take her to the doctor probably tomorrow morning. And so she's just been having Braxton Hicks for about two months. And those that are, had children, you know what I'm talking about. And then those that don't, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> don't worry about it. But, but she's, uh, she's, she woke up. We had a baby shower at my, my family's yesterday. And so she woke up just, just, uh, just really just hurting from yesterday and stuff. So we're praying for her. Um, and she uh, killed her not to be here this morning. So, um, but uh, we're praying for her. Um, but um, as we get started, you can go ahead and flip over to Second Timothy chapter one. Um, if I can flip over there. But um, like I said, we just got back from church camp, and so we've had a great time with that. Um, I want to share a quick story about um, last weekend. So before church camp started, before the kids came in. Um, I was ha- I happened to be the director of this church camp, and so when Kayla said it was disorganized, um, there's someone to blame. I guess that's me. It was it was chaotic. It was it was crazy. Um, the the former director moved to Texas midway through, and so we had to cover up lost ground, those kind of things. But it worked out well. It was organized chaos, but once the doors opened, it flowed pretty well. So so thanks, Kayla, for throwing me under the bus. I appreciate that. So. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. No, I'm just kidding. No, it, it, and it was disorganized in some ways, but but God, God worked and God moved, and I think I think the the kids enjoyed it and it, it was good. But before we got started, um, we had and I've mentioned this in case you don't know what I mean by staffers. These are people that uh, the college age students we came in to help staff the camp. They were adults. Um, they led. Uh, we had we divided the kids up into four different color teams, and so they led each color with chants and team spirit but also were just people to be involved in um, the students' lives and help pray over them and encourage, encourage them throughout the, the week. And so Kayla Brown, Hunter Miller from our church were two of those staffers, um, as well as Bethany that sang last week, and then another guy named Andy Doonan. What a great last name. So, uh, and everybody loves Andy that knows him. And so they, uh, they came in, but I had them, Amy and I had them over to our house last Saturday as we kind of started this process of just praying over the camp, praying for each other, getting to know each other. Because um, even though they were on different teams, they really were one team working together. You know, they had to chant against each other and, and say, blue team, blue victory, no green machines, whatever their chants were. I didn't even learn them. But uh, um, that they had to change each other, but they were working together to make sure every kid um, belonged, every kid was loved for and cared for. And so we met, met at my house and... After a late start um, to the burgers getting cooked, we, uh, we sat down and got to know each other a little bit better, and then we went outside um, for s'mores. I built a fire, and so about five seconds before they walked outside to my, my fire pit, I, I was like, oh, well, I need to rearrange these logs. I need to make the fire a little better. And in doing so, who here has ever had like a campfire that just goes from flames to nothing because you mess with it and you shouldn't have? That's exactly what happened. And so Hunter and I spent the next 15 minutes with his little hatchet, scraping up enough kindling to, to build the fire back up just so we could have s'mores. They're all sitting out there, you know, doing the mosquito dance, I like to call it, trying to just wait. And it's like, I wanted s'mores, not mosquito bites, all right? And so they're looking at me, and I'm like, I'm sweating, just taking the hatchet, trying to get enough kindling to go. And, and um, finally we got it going and built a nice fire. But I shared with them at the end... Of, of this 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 night before I sent them off to home their, their homes the girls stayed at uh, the Browns house and the guys stayed at my house and 
And before I send the girls off um, and send them to bed, um, I said, this fire is a lot like our relationship with, with God. This fire is a lot like our walk as Christians. You know, when you came out, and right before you came out, I know you didn't see it, but there was a fire going. And, you know, all it takes is, is sometimes one big mistake and that fire kind of just comes crashing down. Thankfully, we had enough embers where as we added the kindling, as we worked with it, it took time and effort and sweat. But as we worked with it, the fire was able to build back up. You know, and by the end of the night, we had so many embers there that all it would have taken is just to throw any log, however you wanted, in the embers, and it would have started up just fine. Because we had that bed of coals. We had that hot bed of coals to build. And our walk with Christ is a lot like that. There's a lot of similarities between a campfire and our spiritual life. They both can grow extremely hot. You know, they can get hot. A lot of these students or, or staffers, they might feel like they are on this spiritual mountaintop experience. They might feel like they, they're, they're really burning with passion for God after this week of just almost no cell phone service. Praise God for Spring Lake. You know, there's almost no cell phone, cell phone service. They, they had this week of just hearing the word every day. Camp, uh, pastor John was our camp pastor, and so he spoke to them in the morning and the nights, and he, he preached the word to them. Um, so they heard the gospel. They heard the truth. And, and, and so they hear all these things, but, but a campfire and our spiritual walk can get extremely hot, and it can be snuffed out. It's like the parable of the sower, you know, the, the, the seeds that get planted on the, the, the rocky soil or on the, on, the, on, the, on the road, the path where the sun comes and scorches it up. It can be snuffed out. You know, if, you, if you've ever been camping and, and uh, you've got to go to bed and the fire's still going, sometimes you have to throw dirt on it. You have to throw um, water on it to, to, to snuff that out so you don't have to worry about a forest fire because Smokey the Bear does not like forest fires. And so, so our spiritual lives, they can get really hot or, and they can also be snuffed out. They both can either hurt our loved ones or bring them comfort. You know, a fire, a fire if you're not careful, you might be like me. When I was a, a small child, I had a shirt on that was a little too tight around the neck and I was trying to pull it off right before I go swimming and I fell backwards and fell into the fire pit. Got third-degree burns and I couldn't swim the whole trip. If I had listened to my grandpa who said, change over here, it wouldn't have happened. But, you know, a fire can burn. You know, our, our spiritual walks and sometimes can burn bridges, can burn can burn other people. If we're not, if we're not um, correct people in love and grace, sometimes our, our attitudes can, can really hurt people and burn people and burn those bridges. You know, they can, uh, or they can bring them comfort. You know, fire, if, if it's cool out, you know, you get the perfect fall weather for a campfire, you sit by it, man, there's almost nothing greater than a cold Mountain Dew, Dr. Pepper maybe, you know, um, by, by the fire pit, s'mores, man, and just friends and fellowship. That's a there's so many good memories growing up like that. And so it can bring us comfort. You know, our spiritual walk and campfires, they both require fuel to keep burning, though. That campfire, as it dwindled off, as I sent them home, I said, hey, this fire, I'm going to I'm have to let it die down. Right now it's burning hot, it's burning good. All it takes is we add logs on it. You know, it, it's going to just keep burning, keep burning. But when we run out of fuel or when the night goes on and I have to add water to it or dirt to it, it's going to be snuffed out. And just like our spiritual walks, campfires need fuel. But just like a campfire, our spiritual walks need us continually to add to it for it to grow. If we leave, if we leave our spiritual life alone, we walk over here, we walk inside, do the dishes, whatever, we come back out, we're going to find that, that the, uh, the campfire is not burning. 
we, if we got saved at a church camp or we rededicated our lives at a church camp or we grew in our walk over here in this fire and then we just leave it alone for a few weeks, we leave it alone for a few months, we leave it alone, it's not going to be burning when we come back to it. All you're going to have left is the ashes. And so our spiritual walk requires daily, it requires constant attention. And I think one of my favorite passages that kind of brings this to fruition is, is in First Timothy. But this morning, I really want to speak to, to our students and our staffers that, that got to go to church camp. And I want to encourage you to keep that fire burning. But some of you can relate to what I've shared already. Some of you um, are in, all of you are in one of these stages. All of you either have, have uh, logs, they're all TP'd up, perfect formation that's never been lit. You know, that means you're, you, you haven't ever trusted in the Lord. You never had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You know, you don't have a fire. You have all the stuff necessary for a fire, but you don't actually have that fire burning. And that's if you're lost, that, that would be you. Some of you, man, you're serving the Lord. You're reading the Word. You're digging into God's Word. You, you're praying, and that fire is just blazing. It's, it's so big, the, the campfire pit can barely contain it because you're just on fire for the Lord. And we praise you, church family, for those of you that are there. Some of us, though, have walked away. We've got distracted by other things. We've let the fire kind of just take care of itself, and all we've got left is a few embers. But I'm here to tell you that if we, if we come back and we attend, we attend to, we maintain this fire, we maintain our spiritual walk, it'll burst back into flames. God is good, God is gracious, and he is, he is righteous and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he'll build that fire back up in you if we come to him and we say, God, I've, I've left it alone, I've left my walk alone. I want to get back and pursue you. I want to come back on fire for you. We come back to that fire, he'll, he'll grow it. But some of us might feel like all we have left is ashes. There's no embers. Maybe we've, we've come to church, and you're obviously here this morning. You've come to church, you've, you've, heard, you've heard the right things, maybe you've been saying the right things, you put on a face, I mean, you just got ashes. They're not even warm ashes. I want to let you know there is still hope for you. You don't have to just resign to saying, well, I've just let my fire die a long time ago. I'm just doing the walk. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to. No, you can, you can start a new fire. You can say, God, help me. Help me build this back up. Help me. And he'll, he'll help you out. So no matter where you are on this walk, no matter if you, you've never had that fire, if you feel like you've let it die, God is good and God is faithful and just. Forgive us if we confess our sins. And he'll cleanse us from unrighteousness. And he can burn that passion in our hearts again. So let's look to what Paul said to Timothy in his second letter to Timothy. And so if you read with me, I'm going to read it all and we'll go back through it and break it down. But he says this, in 2 Timothy, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. 
Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to life of the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day which has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Pray with me. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, the, the love that, that Paul had for Timothy. God, as he, as he wrote to Timothy these words, Lord, help those words sing to us. Help us learn from this text what your Holy Spirit would have us learn. Lord, I pray that you be with me, that you give me the words to say, the prayers to pray, and the thoughts to think as I preach your holy word. God, I pray as a congregation that we would, we would hear with ears that would hear and hearts that would hear. God, I beg and I pray and I ask that you would fan into flame the gift of God that you have offering us, that we would, we would be ignited, that we would be impassioned for your word, that we would not be ashamed of your gospel. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. There we go. All right. So... As we look at this text, I want to look at a couple of things that Paul said about Timothy. And the first of that is that Timothy had a sincere faith. If we look at, if we look at this first bit here, he talked about um, he had a sincere faith, but he mentioned his grandmother Lois and he mentioned his mother Eunice. And so we see here, first of all, a great tradition that's been passed from his grandmother, passed to his mother, and passed on to him. But we see something missing. We see a little bit of dysfunction in his family. So we know from Acts 16 that his father was a Greek. He wasn't uh, a Jew. He did not worship God. And so we see that his mother clung to Christ. His father did not. And I can relate to that. My, my, my mother, uh, she came as a counselor, as a chaperone for the girls this week at church camp. And, and the girls loved her, uh, maybe a little too much. I feel like I've been replaced already. And, um, but she, she was great. And, and that was an example that I, I was given I've, I've stumbled on her many times in the word reading. I've, I've caught her reading the word. Not, not out in the kitchen table, but in her bedroom by herself, knocking the door, hey mom, oh, okay, you're reading the word. Well, I'll come back later. That was an example that I was given. That was an example that was shown to me, but my dad, my dad is still lost. My dad still doesn't know the Lord. And so I can relate and I can sympathize with this and I know that many of you probably have testimonies that are similar to this. And so we see a little bit of dysfunction in Timothy's, dysfunction in Timothy's life. Yet, it goes on to say that Timothy had a sincere faith. He had a faith that was his own. He had a faith that wasn't, that wasn't his mother's, a faith that wasn't his grandmother's. It wasn't just, we talked about this morning in, in church um, and in, in small groups with the youth, we talked about it, having your own faith and a faith that belongs to you, not just because your parents are making you go to church, but because you want to grow in your own faith. And so we see that that's what was Timothy's faith. 
He had his own faith. It wasn't just because his mom took him to church, but after, after that time had gone, he still was sincere in his own faith. And so Paul was assured of this. He was confident of this. And so we see uh, that the Holy Spirit resides in him. We see that in verses 6 and 7. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of him. Paul said, I, I, I was part of this. I, I laid on my own hands. I laid my hands on you and the Holy Spirit and I prophesied and then, and then I saw this happen. So I know without a shadow of a doubt that you have a sincere faith. And then we see in, in the second point I want to mention about Timothy is that Timothy's faith needed to be maintained and guarded. And so, so we have this person, one of the greatest people of, 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 of the entire New Testament, wrote most of the New Testament, Paul, an apostle, laid on hands, prophesied over this man, and that man still needed to maintain and guard his faith. That man still had to fuel the fire. He was doing incredible things. He had apostolic authority given to him to go out and do Paul's um, bidding, for lack of a better word. He had to go and do what Paul had instructed him to do with the authority of an apostle. And this man still had to fuel the fire. He still had to continue to fan the flame. And that's what he says there. He says, uh, he says, um, I reminded you, uh, sorry, i got to find it. I'm lost. Verse 6, For this reason I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. And so he had to continue to fan the flame. The, the imagery I get when I read this is, 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 a, is a blacksmith as he's, as he's getting the fire hot so the metal will, will melt. He has to use the blows and he has to blow into it. Now we have fans and all those things to, to keep the fire burning, but the fire needs wood and needs a fuel source, but also needs oxygen. And as you puff in that oxygen into it, the fire roars and it gets hotter and hotter and hotter. So, so Timothy, even though he has all these things going for him, he still is responsible to continue to pursue Christ, to continue to fan the flame. He has to, to maintain his walk. And you also see later in, in this passage that he has to guard his walk. He has to guard it. He has to guard it against sin. He has to guard it against temptation. He has to guard against all the other things in life, especially in ministry that attack you, that assail you. As you're pursuing God, he has to guard this. And so even Timothy had to maintain his faith and to guard it. And lastly, we see that Timothy was called to share in the suffering for the gospel. These are three things that we can see from this passage that Timothy had to do. See, Paul wrote this second letter while he was in jail. And he knew he was at near the end of his life. And he wanted and he, and he, and he, and he desired for Timothy to join him. He had some people that had deserted him. We read later in this, this, this passage or this book, this letter, some people that deserted him, some people that had turned on him, some people that did him some harm. Yet Timothy was not one of those people. Timothy was someone that, that had stood by his side, that, that had fought the good fight just like Paul had. And so he wanted to encourage Timothy. He said, you know what, even though I'm in chains, even though I'm in, in jail, even though things are not looking well for my future, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because the reason he was in jail was not because he committed a crime or a fraud or, or he had hurt someone. It's because he was simply preaching the word. And people were getting upset. We see through his missionary journeys that, that when, when Paul came to town, demons were cast out and people lost their prophet. 
as, as Paul came to town, riots were started, and people that were, that were following temple worship, they were like, no, I want to follow and convert to the one true God. We saw all these things happening, and people were getting upset as Paul came in town. And so he was cast in jail, and he, from this jail cell, he writes to Timothy and says, Timothy, do not be ashamed of the gospel. And guess what? You're also going to have to suffer for it, just like I am. I think this is true of all Christians, not just Timothy. If you, and, and Scripture backs that up, that's not just my opinion, but it teaches that, that you will have suffering if you're a Christian. You will have tribulations if you're a Christian. You will go through things that are not pretty, and for no other reason than that you believe in the one true God. Because the world does not, not support Christ. The world is not behind God. The world is, is the enemy. And so when you are an enemy of the world because you serve the one true God, the world will lash out. You will suffer. And that's not a message that anybody enjoys hearing. It's not a message that anybody really likes talking about. But it's the truth of the matter is that, that if you are following Christ, if you are passionately pursuing, if your flame is burning white hot, people will resent you for it. They did for Jesus, certainly. Because when you're in passion for God and you live a righteous and holy lifestyle, people start to feel real bad, real quick, because they feel convicted. Because their lives don't measure up. And so we, we, we see that, that, that he's telling Timothy, you know what, do not be ashamed of the gospel. Share the gospel. Preach the gospel. I know a lot of people, and I deal most with teenagers, so that's what I'm going to speak for, but they feel like, you know what, it's not their job to, to uh, preach the gospel. We've got, I just got to bring them to church. And I think that's a great first step, students. Don't get me wrong. That is a great first step. Bring them to church. Let them hear the gospel as a, as a youth pastor, a pastor shares the word. But that, your job is not finished there. Our job also is to share the gospel. I think I'm bleeding into my points later, so I better stop. But, but I want to see, those are three things that we see in Timothy's life. And so I want to give us three things that we, in turn, can do to fan the flames. So the first thing is we must have a sincere, flip, sincere faith. You can't have a fire burning if you have no fire burning. I know that sounds silly to say when I hear it out loud, but, but that's the truth of the matter. If you cannot fan into flames something that's never been lit... You know, I, uh, I, I built up this teepee. I got kindling. I got, I got pine, pine cones, all that stuff to get the fire going. going. I uh, may have used some lighter fluid to get, you know, all that stuff. But before I lit that match, before I lit that, I couldn't have just added air and make it get, watch it go fire. I couldn't have just kept adding kindling expecting to grow. And so if you are not a Christian, if you have never got to that point of, of your life where you said, I'm a sinner... And I believe, and I confess that Jesus is Lord, He's in charge, and that I believe that God raised Him from the dead. Conquering sin, conquering death, conquering hell. If you never got to that point where you believe that, confess that, and then your life has changed because of it, you cannot fan the flame. And so the first and foremost thing we see here is that in order, if you want to keep that fire burning, those of you in the camp, you want to keep burning that campfire, you know, the church campfire, if you want that to happen, you first must be a Christian. You can't be fake about it. You can't be piggybacking off your parents' faith, students. You can't, you can't rely on, 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 on years of attending a church. You can't rely on your, your, your name on a roll. You have to rely on you having a relationship with the one true God that you trust in Jesus and nothing else. And if you haven't had that sincere faith, then you can't burn a flame. But once you have that faith, once you have that faith, number two, 
we must fan the flame. We can't leave it. We can't just have this moment at church camp where we feel very emotional, rededicate ourselves, or, or a moment on an altar where we say a sinner's prayer and we're done. Yeah, I, I believe wholeheartedly with my whole heart, and we teach from the pulpit. John teaches this, that, that once you're saved, once you're a Christian, you are always saved. We teach and preach the security of the believer. But the mark of a believer, the mark of a Christian, is not that you said a prayer. The mark of a Christian is that you maintain yourself until the end. That is a mark of a true believer is that you pursue until the end. You fight the good fight. That you walk at the end of your life and you have maintained the faith. That is the mark of a true Christian. Not that you said a prayer. And so in order, in order to, 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 to keep that fire burning, you must fan the flame. We do that through a few things. One, through the Word. Too many Christians, too many, especially young Christians, again, I deal primarily with, with youth and teenagers, way too many Christians I've heard don't know anything about God. They can't tell you who David or Jacob was. They can't tell you who Abraham was. They can't tell you uh, what, what Jesus taught. They can't tell you the story because they they're not in the Word. They haven't read it for themselves. And so unless we've covered it in the past two months in youth group, they can't tell you the stories because they aren't in the Word themselves. And students, we've been talking about this. Coming to church on Wednesdays and Sundays is not enough. You need to be in the Word. You need to be daily in the Word. You need to continually pursue and grow in your walk. And so in order to fan the flame first, you've got to be in the Word. That is, that is the life breath of God. That is the breath of God. It is, is living. It's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And, and if we're not in the Word, then we cannot fan the flame. Another way we fan the flame is through prayer. I know a lot of people... Um, especially, I went to a Christian college, and so I know people that had to read the Word, whether they were in, that was a requirement, you know, they have to pass the test. But you'd be surprised the number of lost people that go to Christian colleges. Or maybe you wouldn't be. I was. I knew, I knew several people when I went to John Brown University that said, yeah, I'm an atheist, I'm just coming here because it's a good education, or I'm coming here because my parents made me. I had that one happen. He said, my parents required me to come here, but I'm definitely not a believer. Yeah, he knew the Bible. But he lacked prayer because he didn't actually have a relation with God. He didn't actually talk with God. He didn't actually pray to God and ask Him for daily bread. He didn't actually have a relationship with Jesus. He just knew a lot about Him. And so, yes, you need the Word, but that's not it. You also need to have a prayer life. You need to be constantly in prayer. And lastly, I feel like this is where most church people struggle. You know, many of us are good about reading. Many of us are good about praying, especially on Sundays and Wednesdays. But you also have to be obedient to God on the other days of the week. Yeah, we honor the Sabbath. Yes, we do those things. Yes, we, we wear Sunday's best. Yes, we, we go to church. We do all these things that are, that are right and are good. But if that's all we do, we're definitely not being obedient to God. Yeah, we'll pray for our friends, but... Are you giving up relationships you shouldn't be in? Students, are you, are you giving up friendships that you shouldn't be in? As adults, are you, are you actually putting God first in your life? Are you putting work first? Are you putting God first? Are you putting the love of money first? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not talking to anybody in particular. I definitely don't know the situation. But, but, but God says that, that in order to... To, to pursue Him and His Word teaches that we have to obey Him. And that brings us to the next, next point, point three. 
We must not be ashamed of the gospel. This is where I was bleeding in earlier. We have to actually share the gospel to not be ashamed of the gospel. I was so proud of our staffers this week. I'll pick on Hunter real quick. Hunter um, was a staffer for our church camp this week, and and uh, you know he's been in church. He's got great Bible loving parents. But he said, you know what? I know the gospel. I know what the gospel is, but I'm just not sure how to share it. I, I, I know I know what it is. I, I believe in it. I'm a Christian, but but I want to know how to share that with somebody. And so what he did is he he said, hey, I need time with you. I need I need you just to help me walk through some things. And then, and then when I didn't respond, he said, all right, I need time with you. He, he passed me. I was like, all right, I definitely got to make time for him. And so we made time, and he came to my office, and we just walked through the Romans Road. It's just one tool of many. I had to teach him one way to share the gospel. But that was on Hunter. That wasn't me. That wasn't me micromanaging his life. He's saying, hey, I see a need in my life. I, I want to be able to share the gospel, and I don't feel like I, I, I'm equipped enough to do that. Will you equip me? exciting church family like like that's that's a young man saying i i I see a deficit in my life and i want to grow in christ i mean praise god for you hunter it's exciting i fear and 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 i admit i've only been here 10 months but i've been a part of other churches and i've been a part of um i guess five churches in my life I fear that, that we sometimes we push this responsibility off on a few small people in the church. We have our pastors, maybe our deacons. We've got maybe the evangelism team if we have one, but those are the people that share the gospel. That's, that's not what we see in Scripture. We see people that are jailers hearing the Word, and they're going that night and talking to their families and saying, hey, my whole family needs to hear this. We see people that, that are walking and all of a sudden Jesus is there like, I need to get baptized right now. And they're preaching the word through their baptism. We see people coming to know Jesus and then sharing. Look at Paul. The, depending on, on where you are as a scholar or whatever, he was, he was gone for maybe three years after hearing the gospel, but we see that he shows up in town and three days later, He's, he, we see one, one instance in Acts where he shows up to town and three days later he's got disciples already. Disciples. That means people that are following him and learning how to follow Christ as he follows Christ. They're imitating him as he imitates Christ in three days. Who are we pouring into, church family? Who are we discipling? Who are we sharing the gospel with? Because the truth of the matter is that, that I, I was just at church camp and there were four people that chose to go to church camp that walked from death to life. These are people that have been hearing the gospel in churches. These were all churchgoers. Every single one of the, this group that in our last church camp were churchgoers. They'd heard the gospel in church. Yet it took, it, took, it took small group leaders, it took staffers, it took other people in a different environment, in a different way to share the gospel with them. What are we doing, church family, to share the gospel? Because in order to fan the flame, we've got to be obedient. And I know that God is calling us to share the gospel. His word makes it clear. And so um, I want to leave us with that thought. My ask is, as they come back up, I want everybody, we're going to do the church camp thing. I love the church camp thing. Everybody just go ahead, bow, bow their heads and close their eyes. Lord John's going to come up. I'll be up here.
And we have this time of invitation. If you feel like you need to repent, if you feel like you, you, you're struggling with a sin, maybe you, you aren't being obedient. They're at your chair there, or they're down here on the altar, or coming up to Brother John or I. Come and just confess that. Maybe you've let your flame die long ago. Maybe you just haven't been fanning it. Maybe you, you're a Christian and you truly love God, but you just aren't doing much about it. You're not putting fuel on the fire. That's a sin. If you aren't actually growing in your relationship, you're actually growing away from Christ. Students that, that just got back from church camp, you have that fire now. Pray that God keeps that fire burning. Well, John and I will be at the front. If you want to pray or ask something, please do.